What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Engine 25 YouTube channel. Always happy to have you. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about The Witcher. Um, so I just hope everybody has had a uh, safe holiday and you are uh, taking taking your uh, masking and, and virus precautions seriously. Um, I've had some... Uh, relatives get it, and it's 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 not a good time, and nobody. Uh, and people just want to have a good time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. If you uh, if you like this, uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and uh, let's let's go ahead and get started. I am of course back today with my uh, my good friend Katie. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing, Brandon? I, I'm doing all right. I um my ankle's getting better. I uh I don't know if I told you um uh. An earlier episode, I mentioned that I had fallen down the stairs at work. Uh, had my first PT appointment yesterday. Uh, it was. It's going to be a challenge, but as you know, well, walking. I'm glad it wasn't worse than it was. Me too. You know, no, no broken bones. Um, appreciate that. Uh, how was your How's your holiday? How you been? It was good. Had a good time with some of the fam. Um, you know, my brother was supposed to come out, but you know, other family got sick, so we all just yeah. tried to. Be cautious. There's a lot of that going around. Yeah, I have a six-year-old niece, so we didn't want to uh, give it to her. So absolutely not. You know, another COVID Christmas, but it was certainly better than 2020. So. Absolutely, you know, and we it ended up you know relatives got it right before I found out 21st, 22nd. So like Christmas Day was just me and my wife uh, together, and we we sat and we watched. Uh, Encanto, and we hadn't seen Raya and the Last Dragon yet either. They were we took checked them both out on Disney Plus, and it was really nice. Uh, oh, they're nice they're both day. really good, by the way. If you haven't seen them, I haven't actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but we're we're of course here to talk uh, talk about The Witcher season yes. two on Netflix. Um, I was uh, for the most part a a fan of the first season. I thought it it made some speed had some speed bumps, but I I do adore Henry Cavill as we have well well established on the show. Um so uh but interesting uh reversal maybe. Generally I have a lot of uh a lot of background knowledge on on topics that I pick for the show and today I have neither read The Witcher or really spend any significant time with any of the video games. So most of your most of that that background kind of stuff is going to come from Katie. Uh, My destiny is being fulfilled. Indeed. This is all I was meant to do. I I hope it's not all you were meant to do. You're you're, <laughs> you're going somewhere, being a a, a fil film scholar, an educator, and you're Ooh. gonna you're gonna change lives one day. Hope so. Hope so. But, but uh, for now. <laughs> so be, before we touch on the show, would, what was your experience with The Witcher before? Like, did you had you before the first season? Had you played the games? Had you read anything, or did you read because of that? Or let's talk me through it. So, The Witcher season one came out in December of two thousand nineteen. Two years ago. I yeah. Two years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I thought it looked really cool. My friend David Jackson, who is a big fan of the books and the games had told me that they were making his favorite thing into a Netflix series. And I was like, oh, well, all right, that sounds cool. That sounds really, you know, like nerdy fantasy kind of stuff, which I do like, but I was, you know, finishing up my thesis at the time. So I was like, I right. can't even and think that about was it. was a, a thing, you know, based on the, the general 
knowledge, you know, because I, I play video games. I haven't played the Witcher games, but I'm I'm aware of them. And it, you know, uh, and it seemed a little, even being a big fan of like Lord of the Rings and Dungeons the Dragons, I, I wasn't sure the Witcher would be for me because it's like a really kind of, mm-hmm. it's a really specific thing yeah. as opposed to, you know, it's not, it's not classical fantasy, which is kind of my thing, uh, which isn't a problem, you know, it's, uh, it's just, mm-hmm. it was just different. And I wasn't sure at first that I would be into it. So it's definitely its own thing. And that's the thing that I've kind of um, discovered most about it is that people have their different interpretations of things, but the creators of the games kind of lent itself to that by the game's really extensive use of choice by the player. Um, but- by the way, uh, quick, I'm sorry to interrupt. We we know that uh, Katie's camera is glitching out. There wasn't much yeah. we can do, so we're just going to roll with it. I'm sorry. Go, yeah. go ahead. Sorry, just listen. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> if it bothers you, just listen. Um, so anyway, the first season came out December 2019. I'd heard a little bit about it from my friend David, and I decided to watch it. I thought it looked really good, and I thought the casting was really good, and I was excited to see what Henry Cavill would do with it. And the rest of the cast I didn't know yet, except for... Oh, I forget her name, but Calanthe had also had a small part in Game of Thrones. So I was like, all right, I see the parallels. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, Maybe I was a little afraid it would try to be Game of Thrones and that you can't you can't try to be Game of Thrones. That doesn't no, it doesn't you can't anyone else. Yeah. But I think that the Witcher showrunner Lauren Schmidt Hisrick, I don't agree with all of her decisions, but I agree with her vision. And I really appreciate the fact that she knows it cannot and will not be Game of Thrones. But The Witcher is so much of its own thing, having a precedent of games and books, that they have this space to fill with something that's a little bit different, but still nostalgic of that genre, right? It evokes those similar kinds of dramatic themes and a kind of medieval world that's different from our own. So I saw the first series or the first season and I thought it was awesome. I loved it. I was really looking forward to the second season, but I didn't know anything about gaming at that point. I'm still, you know, for lack of a better term, a noob. <laughs> I'm st- I, I wouldn't call myself a noob, but I am, I'm a filthy casual. So you're, you're in good company. <laughs> So I didn't really have any inclination to play the game. I thought it would be cool to play it, but I was very intimidated by that whole world and kind of starting something that big. Cut to 2020. The world went to shit, in case you didn't know. Yeah, And I really, this is just so weird. A few months before that, I had said to my brother, like, I need a Blu-ray player. I'm going to have to go get one. We were just chatting. And he said, I'll send you my Xbox. I don't use it anymore. My brother is a huge gamer. And I was like, great. I'm just going to use it for my my Blu-rays. It, it hurt me <laughs> deeply that he was he was so willing to part with his Xbox. But that's a conversation <laughs> for another podcast as to why. He he was fully on the PC train. So he was like, okay. So he's, and, you know, and I'm a PlayStation guy too. But, you know, they, right. PlayStation has been doing much better than Xbox up until this the new the last couple of years anyway right so anyway he he's he's a pc guy 
And he was like, here, take it. So I was, so I was happened to be in possession of a perfectly wonderful gaming console. And my brother had moved out waiting to start his new job and was, was with us in Arizona. And so I said, you know what? It's locked down. This video of Henry Cavill making his own PC just came out. And now I really kind of want to play this game. And I already know a little bit about it. Henry Cavill's a huge dork. Yeah, in case you didn't know. I, but I, I hate how in all of his interviews now, they just ask him about the same thing over and over again. And he has the same answer to every nerdy question over and over again. And that's not his fault. Like, ask better questions. But anyway. um, So I knew the series. I knew a little bit about um the plot of the games a little bit, or at least a third. And I asked my brother, I said, do I need to start with the first one? And he said, no, no, just <laughs> hop right into the third. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. So he got me all set up with The Witcher on my Xbox. And when I tell you I played the shit out of that <laughs> game, I played, I wish my Xbox still worked. I, I mean, I would love to go on and see how many hours I've logged on Xbox on that game. But you can probably find out online. It's on my brother's account. So maybe, but anyway, it would be an exorbitant amount of hours. And I mean, when I tell you that discovering gaming and playing the Witcher got me through quarantine, I really mean it. Like I was going through a really tough time of, you know, everything was online and I was having to adapt to teaching online and teaching an entire new, entirely new class that I hadn't taught before and finishing my thesis and being ready to graduate with my master's and wondering what the future would be like. I mean, I was going through a lot in addition to the, the COVID and the quarantine. So um, I really like, like gaming became my, my, my therapy, you know, it became my thing to do. So I didn't have to think about other stuff and I loved it. And being an entertainment person and a storytelling person, I was like, this is wonderful. And I can really actually appreciate the development of this game. And I see the detail and I see uh, how they've built it. And I was, I just loved it. So I, I invested a lot of time into the games and then on audiobook, listened to the main series of books. I didn't listen to the prequels. How many, how many books is that? Oh my God. I'm going to, I just built myself up as like a Witcher nerd. And now I'm like, how many books are there? (laughs) I think it's like four or five um, in the main series. And I never finished the last one because quite honestly, it was extremely boring. And I feel that way about all of them. I understand that they were written in Polish. And so having it translated into English is going to have some differences in, you know, just the way that it's, it's, you know, portrayed. Right. So I get that, but uh, it's very boring. Not a lot happens and that can't be changed because it's plot. It's not really a translation problem at that point. It's plot. And while you can analyze for plot structure and rising action and falling action and all that kind of good stuff. And I just don't see it as easily in these books. And so the, the books and Lauren Schmidt Hissrick has talked about this while promoting the second season, the books 
especially Blood of Elves, the first one that they're adapting here in season two. That book is very um, character development heavy, very journey, like emotional journey heavy. It's a lot about the characters developing relationships with each other. So there's not a lot of action. And I, I, one I was going to say, you're not, you're not saying things that are problems if you're asking me, but. Right. But, you know, there's not a lot of action. <laughs> and if there's one thing you want to see on screen from something like The Witcher, it's a lot of action. And to be, to be fair, knowing what I know about what happens in the books and, you know, the game, the game is obviously very action heavy, but um, yeah, I would also be very angry if I didn't get to see Henry Cavill slicing up some people or things in this season. And to be fair, I, I understand that it was hard to adapt this, this second season, the Blood of Elves book, but I wanted there to be more fighting. And they tried to put fighting in there and it kind of like didn't work. We can talk about the whole Eskel thing later, what they did to my boy. I, I had read that, uh, mm. and for because I haven't mentioned it yet, um, I have not read The Witcher nor, and I, I said I haven't played the video games, but I, have, I haven't read the novels. And apparently Eskel's a big deal and he, mm. uh, it doesn't happen the same way in the show as it did in the novel. So that's, I guess that's the first thing we can touch on since we brought it up and it's kind of like the okay, biggest on, complaint. On that note, before, before I let you continue, I'm going to throw the spoiler thing. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Good call. So in season two, episode two, Askel freaking dies and he's turned into a Leshen. So a Leshen is the, the, huge... the tree crunch, the tree creature. Yes. Okay. Yes. The tree creature thing. In the games, and I think in the books too, but especially in the games, it's touched on that Aleshin is a post-conjunction creature. So it was dumped into this world of the Witcher during the conjunction of the spheres. And so it's a like a in, in the game, it's called a uh uh relict. Relict, yes. So it's like an ancient being, right? And there's only so many of them, like. Henry Cavill so graciously states in some exposition in this season. So Eskel in the games, the games, Witcher 3 takes place years after the events of what we're watching on the Netflix series right now. Okay. And even in the books, Eskel definitely doesn't die. He's got this whole, whole story and this backstory of how he himself also had a child's prize. Spoiler. And it was a princess. And they did not have a good relationship. So it's kind of contrasted to the Geralt-Siri relationship. And okay. it's this whole thing. And so David was texting me, you know, my dear friend, David Jackson. And he had watched the first four episodes before me. Okay. <laughs> and so I was kind of live texting him as I was watching the first four episodes. And I was like, oh, my God, my boy. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's a little weird, but... You know, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how they use that whole backstory from the books of Eskel's child surprise princess relationship <laughs> and like how they use that going forward for the, the character development that's bound to happen the due is, to the nature of this book. The answer and then 20 is minutes later, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I called David. He was like, yeah, I when you send that to me, I cringed. <laughs> I was, I mean, I couldn't believe that they didn't use that opportunity to 
you know, kind of delve into that child's prize kind of, I don't want to say trend, but happening and how it happens for both of those witchers. On the flip side, I can understand how they would definitely want to keep that as kind of like a sacred relationship in this series and how that is Geralt and Ciri's thing. That's She's the child's prize. The law of surprise is confusing enough. You know, I, it didn't make sense to me until I read up on it online. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, um, and maybe that's, maybe I wasn't paying attention or what have you, but it's a, it's a, a weird cultural thing that exists in, in this world that is uh, apparently a, an age old tradition that, wow. uh, how's it work? If, if you save someone's life, they can claim the law of surprise, which is what generally means that the the person who was saved owes something major to the person who did the saving. Uh, most right. often it's that person's firstborn child. Well, it doesn't have to be. That's it doesn't the have thing. to be, but acor- right. according to the wiki, it's most often. <laughs> but yeah. somehow it usually ends up being a child. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, so the, the law of surprise is basically like, I did this thing for you, which is like, you know, it's a big deal. So the way that they equate it and usually talk about it is it through saving somebody's life. L- life you know? or life situation. Yeah, kind of. Um, but, you know, in the first season, they talk about how it could be a bumper crop or, you know, a newborn pup or something like that. So if I came home and I found, you know, a surprise package at my door and I had owed somebody something a lot of surprise at that time i'd be like oh well sorry here's this package you know and that would be their payment probably wouldn't be anything great but you never know so um but in the case of the witcher world it's usually a kid for some reason and so esco also has a story like that in the books and so i i feel like fans think that the Eskel character wasn't necessary to sacrifice off, especially when they made so many other Witcher characters to like populate Kermorn in this season. And I can understand that as a fan. Yes, I'm disappointed. I don't get to see anything else from Eskel, but were as a other, showrunner has- Were those other Witchers in the novel? I know Vesemir is. What, what about all the other guys? There's a couple of others, but definitely not that many. There's, there's um, Vesemir- Cohen, Lambert, Askel, and like two or three others. But the fact that I can't remember their names, you know, there's one that's like training to be a witcher, but they can't make him a witcher because they don't want the stuff, right? But he ends up dying. Don't remember his name. Um, but you know, those are the main ones. Right. Cohen, Lambert, Askel, Geralt, Vesemir. So like five. And then in the games, The Witcher 3, the only ones left are Eskel, Lambert, Geralt, and Besimir from the School of the Wolf. So with that few witchers, I definitely understand. As a fan, you know, I was like, what the hell? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Eskel is kind of important. But to be fair, to Lauren Schmidt Hisrick's credit, she is correct when she has said Askel doesn't do a whole lot in the books. He really doesn't. It's not important in the books. In the games, yes. Books, no. And they're not adapting the games. They're using it as inspiration and partnership, but they're adapting the books. And that's really important to remember. So I understand from a development and adaptation point where that's coming from, 
But from a fan standpoint of the games, I'm like, oh, that's my boy. He said, and the thing is that Eskel as a character was kind of flipped up too. And they meant to do it, but it wasn't successful. I will, I will say outright, I have no problem saying that what they were trying to do with Eskel did not come across on screen. So how, how did he come across to you, Brandon, as somebody that doesn't have all that backstory? What was your first impressions of the Eskel character? He, they, we don't get a lot of time with him, like if I'm honest. So it was, hmm. I mean, it's it's obvious that he and, sorry, that he and uh, Geralt are are old friends. Um, but I could say that about any of the Witchers. You know, they haven't been able to make a Witcher in some time, so all of these guys have known each other for however long, and they're all, you know, no, their Witchers live longer than humans, so they've all, you know, they've known. They've all known each other for decades, uh, so it's. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, and I don't, I don't. It's hard to say what is Eskel. You know, like is he is he a party boy? You know, he brings sex workers to the castle. You know, and I don't. It's hard to say if that was an Eskel thing or if that was a, an effect of he's infected with this with this fleshy disease and he's yeah. not behaving right. Um, yeah. But you know, even Geralt points out like something's not right about you, like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're, I, maybe I, I didn't feel like we had much to go on. He shows up midway through episode two, and he's dead by midway through episode three. So it's, or maybe maybe it's earlier than that. Maybe if I'm not remembering, he shows it's, up at the beginning of episode two and is okay. dead by like middle he's, end. He's dead of by the end. Two. Okay, yeah, because that they they get to care more in at the beginning of episode two, mm-hmm. and then okay, so yeah, so everything is. Yeah. You, you spent less than an hour with him. Yeah. And I, I think that is exactly why it doesn't work. Because, like, I love that you you pointed out, like, is it because he doesn't feel good? Because he's infected with a slushion, which is also weird. Like, I've never heard of that happening in the Witcher universe ever. Neither have um, Geralt and Vesemir, for what it's worth. Right? <laughs> um. So, yeah. The Askel character in the books and in the games is much more well-tempered. He's a really nice guy. Like Eskel is just the one that you like want on your side. He's very much like a big brother to Siri as is Lambert, but Lambert's actually like more of the asshole in my opinion. We kind of get that in, in this season. Lambert in was season like the two. red-haired guy that took her to the obstacle course that yeah. kicked her ass every day, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's Lambert. Um, so it it made me really sad that we never got to see any of that really wholesome character of Eskel besides being in that flashback in episode three, which even then he's just like complaining and being like <laughs> a little bitch about being a witcher. <laughs> like, I was like, that's like, they have beef with like, and you know, like trauma of being witchers, but you know, it didn't feel right to me. So we never really got to understand Askel pre-Leshen infection. And so all of that stuff that he was doing. Okay. And he is not, doesn't, he is not in the first season, right? No. no. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, I had a thought at one point that it was just someone that I didn't remember, but yeah. So he's not in the first season at all. Okay. Not in the first season at all. So you know, everything that he's doing when he, you know, comes up to Siri and taunts her and, you know, 
bringing the prostitutes and the care Morin and all of that is a result of his infection taking over or him trying to fight it. And, you know, so from that standpoint, I don't think that that works at all, especially because as a viewer, you said you were confused as to who this guy is and what he's about. I mean, and I totally wasn't understand. that much to him, you know, like I, yeah. I felt like I got what I needed to know. And it's that he's a witcher and they're old friends. And he seems like Geralt might be closer to this guy than some of the other ones. But that's all that they give us. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a real shame. I think they could have. I know they need to move the story along and they only have eight episodes. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still, uh, for me even in an adaptation and the pacing of the show, it just didn't feel right to me. I know they wanted to shock. I just don't think that they had to do it that way. And well, it felt rushed. If you're going to shock, it should shock people who are fans and who are new. It yeah. should not be a question mark to people who, who know better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was waiting for like, you know, the adaptation of his story <laughs> and I, and I, you know, wanted to talk about the very nature of that word adaptation because Please, at least for me you know an adaptation of anything of a book a video game or taking one thing from one medium to another you really do have to adapt which means you know i am of, your plan according to circumstances i, so, I agree and I, you know i am of the belief and we touched on this a little bit during the pre-show but you should tell your story in the medium that most effectively says what you're, what you want to say, mm -hmm. you know, um, and not to say that certain stories can work in multiple mediums. That's why we have successful film adaptations, but mm -hmm. you know, for, if it, if it works best in a novel, you should write a novel and maybe it should stay a novel. Maybe we could make a movie. Maybe that movie's good, but you know, if it, the Witcher has a whole series of video games, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, I think some stories have a good, have a, they're, they are told stronger than they could have in other mediums because the user is so involved with it, if that makes sense. So you could, yeah. the user, in the, the case of The Witcher's an RPG, the player can make choices that change how the story goes. Mm -hmm. You can also take the flip side of that. A game like The Last of Us is a, it's a single player linear story. But the player is forced to be involved in some choices that are at times really uncomfortable. Mm. And it's that can. It's it's done that way on purpose, if that makes any sense to you. So uh, like if, yeah. or, or, or I'm, I'm sorry. I, and by that, I mean, if I I hope I've explained it clearly and like clearly enough to, to get what I'm trying to say. It's yeah, the, it's, it's the story. It's the plot. Yes, it's the game. And, and in in that case, the. In the case of a video game, the player's involvement should be a key to it, where you don't have that in a movie or a TV series, but you have other uh, other things that are that are strong in a visual medium versus a textual medium. Yeah. And I do also want to point out, just so you know, that The Witcher 1 and 2 and 3, but we've already kind of talked about that. I mean, CD Projekt Red didn't adapt the stories of the, of the books at all. They came up with their own stories. So they had rights to the characters and they used the world building that Andrei Sapkowski had done in the novels, but 
they didn't adapt those stories into the games. They came up with entirely new things. So it's not like we've seen these stories that the Netflix series are using adapted before because they right. haven't been. Okay, that's cool. I did the the Witcher three is called Wild Hunt, right? And there mm-hmm. there are a couple of times in this season where someone mentions the Wild Hunt. So that seems mm-hmm. like a a a kind of an important thing that's going to come up later on. But yeah, the Wild Hunt also does come up in Blood of Elves, which is the book that they were adapting here. So it's definitely more recognizable because. The third game is literally called The Wild Hunt, and it has to do all with The Wild Hunt. <laughs> so that that imagery is really recognizable. But in terms of adaptation, I've heard fans complain that what the writers have done is just their own fan fiction. I understand how they get you, to that. Sounds like you could say the same thing about the video games, and people love those. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. So I understand like how they get to, you know, where the story is not exactly like what Blood of Elves is. They're also trying to incorporate, you know, a grain of truth, which is from the the prequels. It's a short story from the prequels that they adapted into the plot of the season. Okay. So the very first episode is is that story. With and the, um, um, the, 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 the beauty and the beast guy yeah. who's, who's it, uh, Christopher, he's, Christopher Hebu from the, Game of Thrones. Yeah, from Game of Thrones. The, um, the Tormund Giants main. Yes, yeah, love him. Love his performance in that uh, too. And that, like, I almost don't want to have to say that might be my favorite episode of the whole se- of the whole season. But I mean, honestly, maybe me too. But yeah, <laughs> um, I I don't think that they would be mad about that though. The showrunners and the folks in the show. I think I think that that's a fair assessment because it was done so well. Right, but. Um, anyway, so I understand how fans are seeing the the plot that was put forth as being fan fiction, but it's not just that it's an adaptation. They have the main core drive of the story and they had to incorporate Yennefer more into that story for the season because she's a main character. It's Yennefer, Geralt, and Ciri. Siri being the main character. Um, but they had to bring Yennefer back in because in the book, Yennefer is barely there and Carol like writes her a letter and that's pretty much it. And this is in the first novel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, they really had to get her back in there because after the Battle of Sodden, which is in the discussed in the prequels and not, right. not Blood of Elves, um, she actually goes blind from using all of that power. So okay, it's a she's physical, she's run out of magic do. basically because she created this giant fireball that ended the war, that ended the battle. But and so she's as blind Jennifer in the other oh. books is describing, you know, teaching Siri how to do magic. There's a whole thing about how fire magic is very very dangerous and it is illegal basically. Firebuck. Yeah, it's illegal to tap into that fire magic, which is why Ryan, the firefucker, is such a kind of like hated character from that perspective, especially because Yennefer, knowing what it can do, has just lost her magic. So in this series, in the season, Yennefer has metaphorically lost her sight, right? By losing her powers, as she did in, in the book, but it's definitely more of a 
metaphorical thing, right? She's off her path. You know, Yennefer would never really actually try and like hurt Siri or, you know, do something like that to Geralt, but she's desperate. So she's, you know, her disparity has blinded her. So in the book, she actually goes off and like Istred rehabs her for a while and she eventually gains her sight back. And then she gets a letter from Geralt that's like, hey, I've got this magical child surprise. Help me. And she's <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> so they had to bring her back in. You know, it's the nature of the medium. You have your main characters and it's the nature of the genre, right? You've got your witch, you got your your monster slayer, and you've got your princess. In in film school, we talk briefly about you like, especially in movies, less so in novels, because you generally have more more room to mess around with with other name with other people. But you like, I've heard it called economy of character, and that's <laughs> you know in two hours. If, and we're we're talking about movies at the time. This is a TV series, so you have you know mm-hmm. more breathing room. Even so, but you know there's only a certain number of names that people can remember. Mm-hmm. Um. So you're yeah, so you're, that's why the in yeah. the nature of adaptations sometimes they take two or three people from a novel and they make it one person or you know this and that there are, mm-hmm. there are ways to you have your your warrior, your mage and your princess or, or yeah. yeah so that's um and everyone exactly. else is is additional you know the um yeah uh, Vesemir, and your bard who, and your bard sorry yes y- yaskier <laughs> and then uh uh Ves- uh, no, uh disappointment for me no no catchy new songs from from Yaskier this season nothing that nothing that stuck in my head at least he had that one performance I know. but like um, they can't live back up to that i thought true. they did a good job but your witcher but um, classic. yeah and then uh Vesemir is like the the old grumpy teacher wise guy. old man yeah. yeah um but you know we don't spend a lot of time with either of them because it's it's about the warrior and the princess mm-hmm and so they have to bring those characters back in. So that's why they developed that. That is why they developed the storyline for Yennefer this season, right? They took the essence of what was in the book. She loses her sight and her powers and, you know, brought that into, all right, so this happened to her. She's not actually blind because we have to see her eyes, <laughs> you know, like that's a thing like on film. It doesn't, it's a moot point. Like if you can't purple, see their eyes, purple contact. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, they bring her back for that reason. And they take that root of the story, just as they did for every other character, basically. And, you know, put it into a cohesive story arc, an eight episode story arc. I, I think it works as an adaptation. I understand how people get angry about that. But at least from an adaptation point of view, knowing what I know about, you know, the, the lore and the detail, I'm fine. I'm like, great, good job. Very inventive, very creative, which you have to be to adapt something or even attempt to adapt something like the Witcher. So I thought they did a great job. I appreciate Henry Cavill having the knowledge of it that he has specific lines that he told them to add in and things that he made sure were nodded to and which I, I think is very smart. I appreciate that he you know being the character that we see the most he still doesn't talk much you know and he has a lot more a lot more to talk about this season you know series mm-hmm. with him the whole time he's not a loner but like in the in the first season 
with exception, it was mostly like someone tries to talk to him and he gives like a succinct dismissal or a curse word and then just walks away. <laughs> well, I actually know that um, on, on the first season, sometimes he, you know, there was stuff written and he just wouldn't and he would just react, you know? And I, th- right, I, I think like that's that. great. And as he's been with the character, he's understood more of what he wants, excuse me, what he wants to do. And, and a, lot know, of, to be fair, a lot he... of that stuff is before this too. Like, in fact, mm-hmm. is, is it all of it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's grown up over over time. Um he's a lot more a yeah. lot more complicated of a person than he was when we first meet him and he kills the spider monster. Yeah. So he Oh yeah, the the Kikimora. Yes. That one. Yes. <laughs> um and now he's got Siri, so he actually has to communicate with her, you know, and he's got he's at home at Caremora and of course he's going to be more open and you know, and so I appreciate those character development details and the different situations, but also you know, as an actor, as he's been able to tap into it and assess, I think that's great. So yes, he talks more this season and he had made a choice last season to kind of reserve him back a little bit. And I think that's fine too. I think it all works. Does he talk a lot in the novels or do you, can you choose to make him talk a lot in the novel? I mean, not in the novels. Yeah. Well, in the novels and in the games. Does he talk In a the lot? novels, Geralt is actually a really funny guy. Okay. <laughs> like, like he's got some really good one-liners and there's this i don't want to spoiler alert we have spoiler alert up right yeah yeah please (laughs) so um uh there's this whole plot in one of the books you know throughout them he's not actually a knight of of rivia you know but then eventually this thing happens and he fights and he actually gets made sir you know Geralt of rivia by the queen and he's like freaking out about it and he's like oh my god and the way that it's going on in his head is just like he's like fanboying out about it and I then can't, i can't see that based on based on i, what, I know i know right and so <laughs> like, then he actually like goes he on just, like he would be more like more annoyed that he would have to show up for this than anything else like <laughs> well it was kind of like impromptu on the battlefield so it's okay. not like it was an actual ceremony um and like queen meave who you see at the end of the season. She's right. the one that, that does that. And I'm, that'll be in the series eventually. Right. But, um, and then she actually like had teeth knocked out and she's like lisping through it. <laughs> and it's like hilarious. And so Garrett's just like, I can't believe this is happening. And then he goes on like some kind of like power trip bender where he's like, I'm Sir Geralt of Rivia and like dandelion. Yaskier gets like, yes, really yeah. annoyed with it. And you know, it's, it's a whole thing. So Geralt in the books has more of a sense of humor. He's definitely more human, you know, and um, he has a little bit more personality, but that's really shown in like intimate moments or through um, an omniscient narrator or whoever's perspective it's from, which can be Geralt's, you know, so that makes sense to me. Um or I'm sorry, whose perspective, not omniscience. So in the books, he has more personality and you get to know a lot more about his inner thoughts, but that's the medium, right? In the games, he has to talk a lot. He has to. Is there there an option to to like not respond? That's what something, uh, something I really like about, you know, I, after telling you all these things about how I don't play RPGs, like I have played through back in college, I played through the Mass Effect trilogy um, and it's, 
there's always an option to just not say any to not say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can close out a conversation in The yeah, Witcher yeah. Three. You can. Wow. And you can just say, "All right, whatever." But it's kind of it's also more like ignoring a quest too, right. and it's okay. like not my problem. Which with, you know, uh, with Mass Effect people, you know, after after you d- if you don't answer or you go a couple of times without responding, people are like, "So are you are you just not going to talk?" Like <laughs> they, people people point it out eventually sometimes, uh, depending on who you're talking to. But right. Uh, no, I haven't come across that in all of my Witcher Three gaming time. But... Yeah, I'm just curious, and it's and it's because it's it's weird to me to think about Geralt talking a lot because Henry Cavill doesn't, you know, and that yeah, at least not with people he's not certainly not with people he's not close to. We get some really nice moments with Vesemir, and like I almost welled up when he's when the series sitting there bleeding, and he's like, "No, like you you are enough, and you don't need to be any more than you are," oh. and it's yeah. Your- the the daddy Geralt vibes, and I don't mean that in any like gross way, but like literally the daddy Geralt vibes. And I will judge you in was, a gross way too. But the the well yeah, but <laughs> the it's just it's so wholesome, and I love seeing that kind of healthy relationship like that. Yeah. And he's screen. still you know he's the same character that we've you know he's he's older and he's crotchety and he's like not clean, but he's just like, he's just a good old dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just love how that's okay to be both. And that's yeah. like the whole thing with her, with Siri in the season, they, they comment on it. She's like, I can fight and wear a dress. And he's like, yeah, I know because he's doing the same thing. Yeah, he's like, you don't, you don't have to prove it to me and you keep trying to prove it to me and I don't need you to do that. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think it's done so well. And there's definitely, I mean, in the nature of the games too, right? Talking about the medium, adapting for the medium. Geralt talks so much in the game because <laughs> he, he has to. Right. <laughs> I mean, he tells you all the exposition. You have to have conversations. Does he, does he talk to himself a lot? He does sometimes. There's this whole thing. <laughs> Henry Cavill said he's wanted to throw out some of the one-liners that are generated. <laughs> For, for Geralt, like, just, like, you know, to improv it. And he's like, that would be such a disservice to Doug. Uh, I think his last name's Cockle. Yeah. The, the voice actor for Geralt in the video game. Right. So that'd be such a disservice to him. That is his thing. <laughs> like, I've already taken over the look, like, like the low voice of the character. Like, I, I can't do any more than that. So Geralt will talk to himself and just say something like, looks like rain. <laughs> winds howling <laughs> so and, i mean that's a uh, pretty typical for you'll find for video game types right but and then it's just all these other little one things and like interactions he has there's a whole quest where you have to get on a boat with yennefer and they have a whole conversation together that you can't do anything about there's no options right it's just it you know it's it's triggered so it's the cutscene. yeah it's not even a cutscene. it's it's just ha- happens it's just there um as they're riding a boat and in another scene, not even a cut scene, just riding a boat, him and Lambert. <laughs> and he just goes, Lambert, Lambert, what a prick. <laughs> it's like, they're talking about okay. writing poetry. It's hilarious. And love it. Um, but you know, it's the medium he has to talk. So you have to take into account every medium. And we have so many for this world that I can understand how people will get confused and, cross them over in their minds because we've got books we've got video games and now we have a tv series that's a lot and they're all different and they're all you know not necessarily adapting the same stories but it's all coming from the same sort you know there are yeah i 
Would you say that the how does the look of the show compare to the games and then how you picture things as you read that you personally? I would say I didn't really have, and I think this is part of why I had such a hard time getting into the books, right? Okay. Even just listening to it, I was listening on Audible, which I, I love to do, right? I love a good audiobook. So that's not a new right. medium for me to listen to. When I'm reading something or read listening to something, I see it in my head like a film. Oh, like too. a storyboard totally right and i that's very visceral for me and i did Absolutely. i didn't get that from the books very well because i just didn't find the description there i couldn't get the visual in my head from from the writing and the action i just couldn't it was really hard right um the games though are absolutely stunning they're beautiful and they're so immersive and, and so detailed that when I had gone from seeing the first season and then playing the game, I was like, oh my God, like this looks a lot better than <laughs> what, what I saw in, in the first season. And like, I understand that they spend a lot of time in woods and landscapes and <laughs> different places in the first season. That's true. So I, um, I was really impressed by the second season's use of the game visuals as inspiration. Cause you know, there's no secret that they've partnered and had a good working relationship with CD project red who developed right. the game. Absolutely. No secret. They're like, yes, they had a whole Witcher con together, you know? <laughs> and, um, I definitely see how in the second season with a bigger budget and more time, which may or may not have, you know, been a hindrance or a blessing because of COVID, but they definitely had more time to work on things. Um, it looks so good. Care Morin looks so, it's almost identical oh, yeah? to the game. And it was really, really cool as somebody who loves the games and who has invested so much into that. Right. Like I said, playing The Witcher 3 through quarantine and COVID really helped my mental health. So seeing something like that come back to life in a different medium so well, I was so happy with it. I was like, it even kind of looks like they have this fast travel signpost like outside of Caramoran. <laughs> like it was Excellent. so cute. And I just really appreciated how they knew that, that was going to be a big location for fans and I can understand how they invested a lot of um, resources into making sure that set was really good. And I think that was smart of them to use that set for the basis of the entire season and bringing the finale back there because it's done so well. That's where they really put their money. I agree. Season. Even the kind of like revamped uh, Sintra sets looked good to me too. We don't see Sintra in the game. But, you know, you can get an idea for kind of what it would look like based on other things. So I thought it was really good. And I was just really, really touched at how seriously they took that. And even with the music, um, I don't remember the name of the composer for the, the soundtrack or the score, but 
having played the games so much as I have, I definitely recognize the Kermoran theme from that map right. in the game make its way into, into the show, specifically when Siri, you know, picks her bedroom and is kind of like resigned to that room and she sits on the bed and just kind of sits there for a moment. Like it's the care more in theme, almost identical from the game. And so just those nods like that and the look of it, I thought was really effective. Not only for me, you know, I have a different thing that I'm looking out for. I'm like, oh, that looks like the little signpost. And I hear that theme and stuff like that, you know, but like, oh yeah, I can imagine that as a first time uh, guest of Kara Morgan, if you, if you will, that, that, that set was probably really interesting to watch unfold as a viewer. What was your impression of, of that? I think it's Cameron's probably the the most fleshed out location in in the show in the series thus yeah. far and it's um reminded me of like the the dragon cultists whatever the what they're called in in Skyrim when you go up the mountain this it's you know it's oh, it's I don't it's, know. yeah yeah so uh secluded um and it's i i love a good snowy castle um but you know inside it's especially in the big uh like dining hall like it's it's warm and it's homey mm. um and they 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 eat every meal under that big tree where all the witcher medallions are hanging and mm -hmm. it's you know so that is i don't know if if it's that way in other places but it it was really um well how do i want to say um it's it's really evocative that they they know what they are they know what that the, where they know where they come from mm -hmm. um and it's did that did the witchers build the castle or did they like take it take it do you know i'm pretty sure that they ended up not taking it but it was at one point built by somebody else okay i'm not sure um somebody with a little bit more knowledge in the prequels and the okay the lore would know but the witchers have been there for a very very long time right so uh it's essentially you know nobody's gonna take it from them or you know it's been attacked for sure but right nobody's uh, gonna it's kind of hard to reach it. too it's up on top of a mountain yeah but um yeah, yeah it's I, um, I liked how much time we spent there and we keep, we keep talking about Sintra and we go to Sintra for three minutes and then we never go back. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. the, um, yeah, it's, it was a nice home bit in, it's like a D and D thing almost mm -hmm. where you have your, you find the place where you're going to camp out and then you go on your mission and you always go back to the castle. You know what I mean? So it's, mm -hmm. um, in, in that regard, it was really homey to me. And it, I liked, like I said, I really liked that they, every night they eat dinner under the tree with like, it's basically dog tags of all yeah. the witches that have, that have died doing what witches do. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm glad that that was really effective because the, the medallion tree is actually something that they came up with for the show. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I'm glad that it was effective. And I, I think it does kind of bring back in that naturey kind of feel of the blue mountains where Care Morin is. Right. Um, but that great hall is, you know, it's a very similar kind of feeling to 
the 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 set from the video game um it's not the same and it, it's a little colder a little harder a little grosser a little <laughs> and, grosser a little grosser in in the uh show in in the games and in the books it's described as being pretty run down it's been attacked okay. they can't really repair it um and i think the visuals you know talking about the medium the visual medium of the television series uses that well to show you it's not a great place, but it's home. But it's home. It works yeah, for them, that's... you know? Uh, so I think that's really, I think they did that really well using the medium that they had and just the way that they know what they're, you know, I, you know, people are mad about some of it and I get it, but it's not okay to claim that the showrunners and the people that make the show don't understand their source material. They understand the source material better than anybody except the author. And the author has given his stamp of approval on it. So it's just, it's just different, you know, and that's, yeah, it's an adaptation. And that's, you know, the root of the word is to adapt, to change, to, you know, bend to, you know, constraints and constraint isn't a negative word it's literally just these are the circumstances you know so budgets budgets are a thing yeah um and honestly like i think the witcher has dealt with its modest tv budget which is to be fair Mm -hmm. higher than most tv series get because it's netflix like i think they do with it pretty well like i thought the um i thought christopher heavey looked great um in the first it was I couldn't, I couldn't not think of him as the beast, but yeah, you know, his his very evocative, his look is very evocative of that. But like, I I absolutely adored that first episode. What did you, what did you think of the season overall? Because I, I think it started really strong, and then Mm -hmm. I think it kind of dropped off and improved right up until Geralt and Yennefer reunited. Mm-hmm. Which was a terrible episode. Oh no! Yeah, it was just is that. I mean, and maybe it was intentionally so, but like it didn't seem like a big deal that they were back together. It was like the mid-season, like filler yeah, it was episode. like five or six or something. Um, yeah, and then the last two are just all right. Here's what to look forward to next year. Yeah, um, you know. So ultimately, like overall, I think it was just fine. But there are some great performances here, and I I love every scene with Geralt and Siri. Um, it's interesting. That you tell me that Siri's the main character of the whole mess. So that'll I, be cool. Yeah, I um, told you that before we started. Yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, Siri's um, the main there's, character. There's some interesting stuff going on with the elves, but like we didn't get enough mm-hmm. of it that I feel really invested in it. Like Francesca and Yeah. Um so what's the other yeah. elf? Um Philavandral. Who? Philavandral. Gel- yeah. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that in Blood of Elves, there's a whole plot about how these fringe groups of elves are, you know, you know, the elves are like at war with the humans, basically. Right. And um, so there's these fringe groups that, you know, everybody else calls the squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, I like it. So these, these groups of elves are, you know, going around the countryside. Like if you play the games, you'll know, like you're always coming up on these like groups of bandits on the road or you get attacked by whatever. Like that's basically <laughs> what these, these 
these groups are doing, but it's more like guerrilla warfare. Right. Kind of. And, um, so there's this whole, whole part of the book. It's a big part of the book where Geralt teaches Siri about differences between the elves and the humans and witchers and how everybody's different and the history of the elves in that world and why there's a conflict and you know it's it's really really touching from like a human geography human empathy kind of perspective and a teaching moment between Geralt and Siri and in world building so there's this whole thing of like and they have to fight them too. Carol doesn't want to, but they're attacked and, you know, so they have to. And so there's this whole plot, this whole subplot in the book about, right. about the elves fighting. And so they've replaced that, or at least hinted at it with this whole plot of bringing in Francesca Findebear a little bit earlier and this whole plot of the baby, which was not a thing. There's a lot of baby death in the show. And, a lot of baby death. You know, it's in any amount, to be fair, any amount of baby death is probably a lot of baby death, but there's been a dead baby <laughs> in both seasons so far. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. But I, I also don't think it's not, you know, it's not gratuitous at all. It's just kind of. I know. It's just, it's just a thing that other shows don't yeah. have. It's, it's baby, <laughs> baby just death. The difference. But uh, yeah. So. I, I can understand like how they kind of replaced the story that was in the books with the elves and played a little bit more into the political side of it from, from that standpoint this season, which comes in a little bit later in the books more with Francesca and, you know, et cetera. So uh, they kind of just started that a little bit earlier and I, I don't blame them for that either. I'm like, yeah, it makes total sense. I can Is see there, where you're going to uh, go with that. Maybe I misunderstood was, was it just Francesca had been pregnant before and it and it she it didn't go to term or was it like an elvish thing where they they aren't able to have babies right now or something just Francesca okay. but apparently there's you know they they say in the season that there hasn't been a full-blooded elf born yeah. for decades and um, so I mean, I'm a little confused that on the, that too they might be mixing with humans or what have you but right like you know um I love this whole kind of very subtle commentary that they added about you know identity and who you are right with according to like your your race in this world which is so you know appropriate for for our world too absolutely but you know like yennefer is you know she's a quarter elf and right. we learned that in the first season and that's and why she, she was she was a hunchback right and it's because so, sometimes when yeah. you when you mix races it doesn't work out quite right Right. Yep. So she had a, a deformity from that. And I I just thought it was really interesting how they use that as a commentary in this world of, of war, of social war, you know? And, um, you know, so Yennefer tries to create a bond with her captors, with Philavandrel and Francesca saying, I'm quarter elf, you know, <laughs> or I think she says half maybe and it exaggerates. Um, but they're just like, you're not an elf. Wear your ears. Yeah. But you on the flip ears. side. Yeah. But, you know, from the brotherhood and the rest of the world, those that know she's a quarter elf, you know, she's ousted. And then even when, when Yennefer meets up with Yaskir in season two, you know, he says, where the hell have you been? 
and she tells him that she's on the run and he you know it's not because she's an elf it's because she's on the run from the brotherhood right right because she just blew them all up and now they yeah. want to die <laughs> yeah. yeah and she's you know on a, a quest to get her magic back but yaskier immediately assumes that it's because of her her elvish blood you know, and he's like, of course, everybody else is just trapping elves and killing elves and just nobody yeah. likes the elves. Yeah. And that's also a big part of the Witcher 3 is persecution of different groups of non-humans, which is completely irrelevant to, to the modern day. Completely irrelevant. Oh, <laughs> you the sarcasm. Anyway. Um, yeah. So how did you did you like the season? I, I would. I think I liked it better than the first season, but I also I don't I don't think it's there yet. There's so much that I like about the show. I just don't I don't think it comes together. It's it's really messy. Um and it's, yeah. I I love the character work, but and I love the look of the monsters and the look of the world of the of it that we get to see. You know, they they spend a lot of time in the wild and not a lot in mm-hmm. in cities or whatever, you know, so I don't for for example, I don't know or I don't feel like I know what elvish culture is really like you know i can see that i can see how they dress um but you know this beyond that no not really you know then there's the the group of mages like the the magic hierarchy that's i'm i'm usually better with names and the brotherhood (laughs) yeah um you know and they have a they have their own way and i like that they're uh the cat they're at least the casting of them is very diverse um, mm-hmm. but you which know, i keep, love they keep going people, I, oh, I'm, I'm all in for it they keep going back to the brotherhood but i don't see why that we're spending so much time with the brotherhood other than their mind you know their relationship with yennefer we get a little bit of that and then it's not really a thing anymore and you have this new guy dykstra who's played by grant mctavish who i adore except he doesn't do anything like they set him up like he's supposed to be a big deal and like so i guess i just gotta wait for next season you know that's it's just it's 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 just a little messy. Um, I think I need to stop talking there. Because... You're, I'm, you know, I, I I don't I don't worry about getting spoiled. You might, um, but um, yeah. So I I liked I was... it. I I love Henry Cavill. I love um, who's the actress that plays Siri? You know Freya Allen. Freya, yes. Um, Lovely. and then Anya Shalotra plays um, Jennifer. Yeah, they're they're all they're all amazing. And I really liked um, Vesemir. Uh, he's he's yeah. my boy. I'm always uh, I'm always on Get the side of the the crotchety old man. <laughs> but he's not even crotchety. Like he's a badass, it's true. <laughs> which I love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's. I really liked the relation. You know, as we've talked about Eskel, and maybe Eskel wasn't handled the way that the fans would have liked, but it led to you know, uh, Geralt had to kill Eskel, and Vesemir is kind of like a father figure to all the Witchers, and you know, so they're. He mm-hmm. had to. It creates a little bit of friction between them, and ultimately, they you know they're they both know it was the right thing to do. But there yeah. you know, there's just a, an interesting dynamic between Vesemir and Geralt this season because he Which, basically had to kill kill one of his children, and yeah. it sucked. Um, Which but, is interesting, though. Conflict yeah. is story, so you know, and that's you know, you know? The, the, those dynamics are really interesting to me, and I those are the parts of the show that I really liked. I yeah. I don't feel like I know anything about how this world actually works like in the grand scheme i just know that there's a handful of people in it that i want to hang out with 
Well, I'm really glad because a lot of these characters are very larger than life, but feel so grounded in human problems. I totally agree with that. Yes. And that is, that's a difficult and, line to walk. And I think that's, that's, that's what the show does well. Um, yeah. To a degree, that's what Game of Thrones did well. You know, like Game of Thrones is dragons and war and all these big, amazing things, but it's, yeah. it's a character study ultimately and it's a it's a character study that takes place in a world that's so terrible that we can't imagine it but that's what yeah. it is and this yeah. is a character study in a different kind of place um, yeah i think that's a great way to describe the similarities because you can't deny that there is something that feels a little game of thronesy nothing's gonna be game of thrones but that grounding of character and an incomprehensible fantastical world i think is what that is for the witcher um this this world has more like words in it if that makes sense it's like there's like more more genre type stuff that you have to be able to keep up with and there's more jargon yeah Yeah. and there it's a it's more high fantasy i would say than game of thrones you know in game of thrones we have dragons but that's like the only kind we have dragons and zombies and those are the monsters and in this (laughs) we have all kinds of stuff you know yeah yeah i think game of thrones if you had to like kind of describe it other than fantasy would be like historical fan fiction <laughs> you know i can see that yeah absolutely because it was totally inspired by you know lots of like you know like european and you know worldwide history but specifically the war of the roses it always goes back to the war of the roses for game Indeed. of thrones george R. R. martin has said so has said so and i know that andre sapkowski um was also influenced by a lot of different cultures and especially his Slavic culture. And I appreciate how they nod that in, into the writing for the series. I was reading something the other day where Lauren Hisrick was saying the Fuleth Mir hut, chicken hut thing, the basilisk leg hut thing is all based on the Baba Yaga stories. Nice. So I appreciate them putting that in there and taking the time to understand that and putting good nods and lines and straight up taking dialogue that's straight from the book into a situation that's close to the action of the book. You know, I don't okay. even mean action, right? It's not like a lot is actually happening, but you know, the events. So, uh, for instance, the dear friend letter that Geralt writes to Yennefer when he's like, uh, I need your help. <laughs> he starts off with dear friend. Like they've had a whole history and broken up and she's mad at him. And she's like, you're going to address me as dear friend, which is exactly what happens in season two of the series, mm-hmm. but just in a different way. It's not in a right. letter, you know? And I appreciate that. And isn't that there, is there's adaptation. something like, Either it's 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 true or it's a story that's told about them, but like witchers can't witchers can't love, right? That's like a, and it's there, I feel like there's a little bit of awkwardness with with Geralt. Like he doesn't, you know, he he obviously loves Siri, but he doesn't know, he almost doesn't know how, you know, and he has feelings for Yennefer that are very very deep, but he can't express them, certainly to any to anyone else who's not Yennefer. So it's like. You know, it's, it's propaganda. This I, that seems I see it seems like that was the case because they're you know they're witchers need to be scary. You know, like they need to be they're they're monster hunters and you need they need to be some. They're, yeah. The presence of a witcher should command respect. Um, it it yeah. should, but it doesn't always. 
And that whole, they don't feel anything kind of backfires on them from that standpoint. But, you know, the whole witchers don't feel emotions thing is really a great economic tool for them to like get paid better. That, I mean, and that makes total sense. You know, it's, it's genius. Not, it's, it's, always, <laughs> it's always, you know, toss a coin to your witcher, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's also just, a uh, good point. Good point for, you know, them to be treated as other. You know, it comes up all the time from people that aren't witchers in this world. They go, witchers don't have feelings, so I can treat you however I want, you know? And that's and not that's okay. terrible. You know, that, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to say like. I, hmm, it's I, interesting. Yes. You know, and witchers are, are mutants. They have been yeah. biologically and alchemically mutated. Literally. Um, yeah. <laughs> using the uh, potion and some kind of magical means. Yep. So, you know, so this is what, you know, they're stronger than humans. They live longer than humans, but yep. they were still born human. Yep. You know, so whether, whether or not it was their choice and was, did, is it addressed in the show? Did Geralt choose to be a witcher? He did not. Okay. I didn't, I didn't think so. Yeah. So that was. They, um, it's not com. Oh, sorry. I just bumped my mic. It's not common for anybody to choose to be a witcher. Have you seen um, the anime movie about Vesemir, Nightmare of the Wolf, that Netflix? No. I Definitely that take thing, a watch so at that. Check it out. Okay. Definitely watch that. And in that, it's not a spoiler. I mean, it literally propels. It's like the inciting incident of the, of the thing is that uh, Vesemir chooses to be a witcher. He's one of the very few that has actually chosen that path. And, you know, he had his reasons. And But, you know, traditionally speaking, no, it's not a choice at all. Um, sometimes, you know, though that kid snatching, you know, witchers get a reputation for kid snatching because of that yeah. long surprise. But, you know, when, when that happens, if it's a boy, you know, they'll bring it back to care more. And that's why Geralt doesn't know what else to do with Siri. It's because, you know, if it there's was a boy, a, he'd take him to care more and train him. Seems like there's like a, almost a parallel to, do you, do you know anything about Halo? No. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, it's a it's a video game you should play, but also um, in Halo, you you know the Master Chief is a uh, they call him Spartans, which is a historical thing. But he's a he's a super soldier that was trained from very young, uh, one of many. Um, mm -hmm. And they also they modify them at a young age mm -hmm. um, to to make them superhuman to a degree. And they, but the. The set of Spartans that Master Chief is from, which is the the second the second wave of Spartans, the for the the first one that kind of makes them what they what they are really. Mm -hmm. um, they were kidnapped at when they were ten years old, you know, to ten, eleven or so, um, and replaced with clones. Uh, and in this universe, clones are unstable. So like all these hundreds of parents had children that everything seemed fine, and then. People broke into their house at night, stole their child, and replaced it with a with a short lived clone. Hey. And then, you know, so all these parents, <laughs> their children just die inexplicably, basically. Uh, that sounds while like some scary mythology right there. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and then their children grow up to become super soldiers, at least the ones that survive the process. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's very a, similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like. It's, he yeah. sounds like a Spartan. <laughs> the trial of the grasses to become a witcher. That's the whole process of being mutated. The trial of the grasses. It's literally not a lot of them survive. So they can train and be tortured and starved and trained. So the, and the Spartans are trained from 
from the day they're captured for mm -hmm. several years and then in their late teens they go through yeah. a surgical augmentation process yeah. that most of them well most of them survive but less than half of them are successful and the rest are crippled for life yeah i'm so sorry if you're hearing all this all this bumping it's my my it's neighbors okay. upstairs it's it's an issue are you anyway. using, are you using live speakers no because i think i hear me oh my, yes 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 yeah, yeah. yes a little uh, bit no worries uh, it's not bad um um yeah you know yeah so i, I keep i keep trying to ask you and then and then describing how i feel about things so t tell me your as a as a reader and uh and gamer uh and also just a fan of 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 good tv like mm -hmm. how did you how did you feel about the witcher season two and how do you think it compares to the first season well first of all i could talk about it all day long so this is totally fine because <laughs> there's just so much lore to cover but um as so first i'll start from like purely a um film studies kind of critical perspective i like the series it's not as strong as i would have wanted it to be i, I agree think with that i think it starts off really good and we start getting into some really interesting plot points and elements and they could build it up so much but i think that the the beast of tackling all of this lore and content is a challenge and so i think that in trying to weave in the essence of the book and like, I'm totally fine. You know, I'll get into it later with my fan approach, but I'm fine with that. I'm fine with how they adapted it. But just from a writing standpoint, I think they just had so much to cover that it got a little inundated with miscellaneous bits. And I think maybe at sometimes there was a little too much going on to really appreciate the first season interesting because i thought the first season first of all even if they did it chronologically it wouldn't have worked i'll just tell you that right now <laughs> no, it no. wouldn't have because then you would just open with a bunch of yennefer and then you would get some Geralt, and then we would finally get into the series stuff, mean, that and it was be... oh oh you're and then i muted it it has a it has a, a, yeah. a touch sensitive mute thing on the top and then i hit it and i was like oh and then anyway <laughs> um awkward yes it's and I, I read that the a big reason that it was cut the way it was is because Yennefer's transformation happens Yennefer's before old. most of the stuff with Geralt, so yeah. we wouldn't have the Witcher in the first three episodes of the Witcher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that you know that seems like a problem. So like, could they have probably in the first season added in some more indicators that more outright told you this is how you need to read what's going on? Yes, they could have. Did I pick up on them? My first uh, watch through of it? Yes, because I've been trained to do that. You know, I, I know when to listen and put things together and what evidentiary, 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 evidentiary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what that kind of ed editing does is suggestive. If they talk about one thing at one point, like, and then cut to something else, that's, you know references what they were just talking Often about there is a there is a reason that the thing that you that you're watching now yeah. comes right after the thing you just saw for instance and i is it the first up the first episode um what's her name the evil princess renfrey renfrey yeah 
Renfrey says Queen Calanthe just won her first battle at something. But we know that Calanthe is battling Nilfgaard, like in Calanthe's timeline of the of the first season in the first episode. And then so she says that, and then the next scene immediately cuts to Sintra and Calanthe in war talk with Nilfgaard. There's a reason. That's evidentiary everything. So I got it. I can understand how people wouldn't. I thought that, in my opinion, I think I thought the 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 timeline and the storytelling of the first season was better. I think it was. It wasn't as messy to me. It was much more linear. This season is definitely messy. We've, yeah. yeah, and I think the first season had clear goals, whereas the season not so much. This season two, feels really preoccupied with what comes next than what yeah. it's actually talking about. And it does set up a lot of stuff. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to set up stuff as long as it doesn't detract, which unfortunately I think it detracted from some of the story of this season. So I think that really just comes from, they had a lot to put in there. They had a really difficult task of adapting a book where nothing really happens. <laughs> you know, like important things happen to get people from first, point. This is the first novel, right? Right. People so got to get story from point that's supposed to, to hook people. Yeah, exactly. You got to bring them in. So they did that. You're in. <laughs> you're you're invested in it. You got to know more. But I I think that they were trying to do perhaps a little bit too much. Um, story wise, that they lost some of the the spark. No pun intended at all from the first season. Like I also didn't think that there was enough like fight choreography. Or really interesting. I I feel like there was a lot more, or a lot. Uh, sorry, sorry, a lot less this year of like yeah. Geralt fighting monsters, which is kind of what I expected the the focus to be going in before having watched anything. Yeah. But you know, also the first is. season I felt was very monster of the week, which was at time kind of annoying. You know, I don't. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't want to be at 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 thirty five minutes of every episode. He's gonna fight this week's monster and then he'll see something new <laughs> that, that, that kind of shit annoys me that's very very old school tv and it doesn't need to exist anymore yeah well i i understand but i also think it's very accurate to the world of the witcher and they did it in different ways in the first season that it didn't annoy me quite as much did i pick up on it yes <laughs> did it annoy me as much as you no and that's okay um but you know in episode one season one that fight where he gets the moniker the butcher of blaviken and he fights renfrey's gang and then he fights renfrey that is absolute pure stunt choreography uh, genius it's wonderful and it's beautiful the cinematography is beautiful and even the um striga fight in season one is so well choreographed and it's really embedded in the story it's not just there to have a fight scene, which is how I feel about the Ryan's fight with Geralt in Nineka's temple um, in the second season. It just felt like they had to have a fight, so they put a fight in there. Um, season one action felt much more embedded in the story, and I thought it was it was done much more artfully than season two. So I was missing that in season two. But as a fan, I I am 
I totally understand how they came into the adaptation process. I think they nodded to things they needed to nod to appropriately. I think the design was really um, well done from a standpoint of fan service, but also function. And I think that as a fan, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it next, especially knowing that they will address their criticism. They want to hear it so they can like make the fans more a part of the process, you know, because they care about it so much as fans. Mike's not on. <laughs> That's cool. Maybe I, um, maybe I, I'm on the pretentious side, but like fans aren't writers. I appreciate, I appreciate fans giving giving feedback and saying what they want to see. Yes. Uh, writers should decide that if what the fans want to see is the right decision or not. Um, and I think I, that's where they've been going with that. And I think that's done really well. And I think that the input conversation part of it is really on, on the hands of the showrunner, Lauren Hisrick, and a little bit of Henry Cavill too. But Hisrick is very vocal about explaining the process right. and those things, which I think is really good engagement. So I think they've towed that line well, because I agree with you. Fans are not writers <laughs> by any means, and they shouldn't be. But there is something to be said for listening to your fan base and acknowledging yeah. that input. The, and my, so my they've done that. My concern is, you know, this is how you, you end up with the rise of Skywalker. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, that's a thing. So yeah, I, I do want to uh, touch on one, um, one small thing that, that you mentioned about choreography. Mm -hmm. My, uh, my, my brother-in-law is a big fan of the show and he said something like in, in the first season, he felt like there was more just like it's, Geralt is just like a burly guy with a sword and he fights with a sword. Um, and in this one, there's a lot of like, he uses magic a lot more in, in almost like get out of jail ways. You know, he always does the magic shield and that kind of shit. So it's. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like a, a nod to the games too, though. That's the yeah. Quen. And so you could literally just <laughs> all of the gameplay that I've seen and all the videos I've watched and even myself, you just go around and you can just like Quen all around the place and just, you know, just like spam the Quen sign. And uh, it's, it's hilarious. Um, like, but on the other side of that, that would be like walking around using the Igni sign, which is the fire, right. you know? So it's like, you can't like, if they're gonna have him just like use that as a default so much, like, you know, plays up something else too. I get that. That's kind of like how, um, I mean, we're not talking about the matrix now, but you know, we were, we were talking about it. Right. <laughs> and in the, in the new movie, there's a lot of like, he throws up yeah. his hands and something bounces off, you know, and there's, he, he does that like with a less special effects -y version of it in like the matrix sequels, like in, well, yeah. in the, even in the first matrix, he does the thing where he stops the bullets. Yeah. Right. Um, and like he just like spams it in the new yeah, one. <laughs> it's just constant. Just, and this is, I, I, I can see how you would get that feeling from the magic in the second season of the Witcher as well. But I also feel like it's game appropriate, but this isn't a game. So I think they were trying to explore it more, which I think is okay. If you well, know I mean, what you're looking you know, for it, now. Time, time has passed. He's probably better at using magic than he was before. But yeah. no, it was just your your, um, your point about the fight choreography. 
there's there's more of him standing still using magic than yeah. there was previously. I will say though that if you go back and watch season one now, you will see that he does use his signs and his magic quite a lot. Okay. Um, and so, but now that you know that that's what it is, then you'll see it. Uh, so I would just say they definitely use it in season one, but it became much more visible and prevalent in season two. Um, and yeah, it kind of does become a default. Um, but I also think that's okay because a witcher is not just a swordsman. Right. He's also, he's he all, he's all kinds of stuff. And, you know, and the shields are, shields are always welcome. You know, shields yeah. are always welcome. Yep. I mean, that's why he, witchers don't carry a shield, you right. know, you know, and it's, it's funny The is it probably how to train your dragon? Like if you ever have to pick your weapon or your shield, you always keep the shield. Uh, unless you got a magic shield, I guess, you know, but, uh... <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that perspective for sure. I mean, your brother-in-law, he's totally right. Yeah. yeah he, he pointed it out. And then at, at that point I hadn't finished the season. So I, I, you know, last, last few episodes I watched like, no, yeah, he's using a lot of, a lot of magic and a lot of like force shields magic. and force pushes and that kind of shit. Um, yeah. Anywho, I think that's uh, I think that's a good place. We're coming up on an hour and a half, so that's probably a good place to wrap up. It was. Yeah. Uh, I like the show. I don't love the show. I I love Henry Cavill and Siri, and I want more of them. And Yaskier and Yennefer. Just yes, say yeah. Just the, <laughs> they should just be like a traveling family, and they should kill all the monsters and start all the fires. And Yaskier will just. You yeah, know, just, just, he'll play the, the the jam out music. It'll be good. I, you know, I have to add Yen in there too. Oh, and Tris. Tris is great, but Yen's my girl always. I was actually Yennefer for Halloween this year. So excellent. I like it. That's how I feel about that. That's my girl. Um, um so uh yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me, Katie. Thank um, you. And thanks for thanks for watching, everybody. If you uh be sure to hit that subscribe button if you like what you see. We I try to do this once a week. Don't always uh, don't always get there. Um, have an episode probably next week coming up about the Matrix Resurrections that we will uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. Um, and uh, other than that, just uh, Happy New Year. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, thanks for watching.